Welcome to Three Shots and a Mango Beer Podcast. I'm Jessica Lambert, and I'm with my co-host, Tradell Lambert. What's up? As always, our laid-back podcast dives into real talks about all things life. We don't choose our fate, though. A fortune cookie does. So, without further ado, let's draw today's topic. Drum roll. Alright, so for today's topic, we got... Let it be a good one. Treasure hunting. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, well that's an interesting topic. Let's see where it goes. Fascinated by it. I wanted to be a treasure hunter. Um, when I was 14 to 15 and a half, I'd say... <laughs> I watched this this show where they're finding gold off the coast of one of the Canadian islands. I, for, I forget what it was, uh, where it was. And it just looked fun. And then I was like, wait, you could be like a pirate, but like not have to have to steal from people. You just look for stuff that already sank. And think about all of history. So much stuff is probably sank. So I was like, that's dope. Find gold and jewels and be set for the rest of your life. Tight. So, like, what was your main motivation? Like, what was what was the first time you were like, I'm going to find treasure? Golden jewels. That's my main motivation. <laughs> Rich. Riches. Like, like so when did you... That. Like, what brought that into your pre purview? So, pirates are dope, mm -hmm. I think. And they're like, oh, hidden pirate treasure. I'm like, oh, sick. I can go get hidden pirate treasure, you know? And then you hear about all these ships just sinking, and you're like, oh... They had stuff. It was the pirates that had treasure. And now it's... Uh, so I'm like... I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I assumed it was all pirate stuff. But I was so down for all of it. I don't know where they got it. That's but, um, funny. So there's that whole nurture versus nature thing. And I know I did not teach you about treasure hunting. But definitely as a child... And I don't know. In Comment below, listeners... Were you ever treasure hunting as a child? Like, is this something we all do? Or is this just a, like, us thing? Because when I was a kid, I remember, I think I said this in another episode, I had my medical, my metal detector. But, like, poverty drove me to try to treasure hunt. <laughs> I wanted, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, to me, loose change was treasures. <laughs> like, I can buy an ice cream. Wow. Yeah, no, <laughs> poverty for me too, but I thought bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you thought bigger than I loose didn't want change? I didn't want loose change. I was like, oh, I could buy castles after I find all those pirate jewels. So. <laughs> I could buy an ice cream. <laughs> well, I think this is literally the story of our life. <laughs> No, but there, there was a point where I wanted the metal detector, too. and Because probably cartoons, you know? You yeah. find some mystical item after you have a metal detector for a day. And <laughs> you get whatever. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I mean, what if we take treasure hunting to another thing and just say, like, you know, the treasure within us? Like, because I'm all about, like, the gifts that God gives us and nurturing that and, and manifesting that. And I feel like a lot of people treasure hunt without, like, outside, but they don't treasure hunt within themselves. What do you think about that? I think that's an interesting concept towards treasure hunting. Um, it could be a mini comic, honestly. 
right? But in mind that you'd find superpowers but <laughs> within but, but, within, but technically yeah. we do have superpowers we just don't go within and manifest we literally do not dig for oil within ourselves for some reason mm-hmm. as whack because god put everything we need in front there's a lot of, of interesting files from the cia saying what we are able to do with our mind in the right setting mm-hmm. and um temperament as literally just like all that mind stuff you would think with powers of the mind like actual projection and remote viewing and stuff like that so and yeah no i I look inside myself to see if that's there every now and again by every now and again i mean like once a day mm-hmm. <laughs> once or twice a day i'll be like hmm could i could i do it no it's not working okay i'll try again later mm. but um yeah, no, they say we only use a very small percentage of our mind. So if you really think what we'd be able to manifest, if we actually like concentrated, who even looks into all the things we look into in Google? How many people are trying to search how to use more of their mind? Right. Well, life is hard, right? I do. Because I, I listen to a lot of stuff while I work. But a lot of people are like, well, I'm, I'm poor. What, what does stuff in my mind... How does that help me right now? I'm hungry. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, um, it's real out there. But... That's true. That's true. And and then that's the, that's the hard part because truthfully, the answer to poverty is probably very much... Um, well, if you're in a setting where you can manifest, I mean, it depends where you are and what, you're, what you have access to, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, if, but for the most part, if you have any opportunity to manifest you probably can manifest success somehow. A change in mindset is always good because one may think that they're stuck in their situation and with a with a shift in their in, in their mind and their mental and their uh, flipping the situation, they might think otherwise, right? Yeah, I remember one time you told me if I can't change the situation, change my mindset about it. Yeah. And that was incredibly powerful for me, you know, and I, and thank you. I quite literally have the best son in the world because sometimes you provide such insight that, you know, as a mama, I feel like, okay, I, I should also be, tell- I mean, I do tell- provide insight to you too, but that was like so insightful and it, it kind of changed things because sometimes I will find myself in a tough situation and I'm, an, I'm a very emotional person. So I could get reactive to my emotions or caught up in my emotions where really when you meditate, emotions are fleeting and quite frankly, they come from how you're thinking about something. If you shift how you're thinking, you can shift how you feel. If you shift how you feel, you can shift your position. But a lot of people are not internal. That's why internal treasure hunting for me is fascinating because yeah, in my childhood, I only knew how to look outside of myself and I feel like we're taught in this world to look outside of ourselves, to go drill oil, to go look for gold, to go like, this is how you find, like you find, like I think maybe that's where I got my treasure hunting from is that I used to watch old movies with my grandma and they would always, the great gold rush (laughs) in these old Westerns that my grandma would like. Mm -hmm. And they'd go to these cities and they'd be panning for gold and then, oh look, they hit it rich and so that I was always trying to like pan for gold in my local um, sandbox. By the way, 
It's not there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. I checked them all. <laughs> Move on. Um, did you ever take money from the wish? From like the... Never. No. <laughs> That's taking someone else's wish. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, we're from the hood. So I came from the hood and I do not apologize. Me and my friends. Is if that we were why that... my wishes never came true? <laughs> no. Did you just come behind me and take that penny back? No, I didn't do it as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but as a kid, yeah, me and my friends, sometimes we're hungry. <laughs> so we might go fishing in the well. We just said, do you want to go fishing? And I thought it was... That's <laughs> a thing that people do. You go fishing in the well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like treasure hunting. That's no. where the loose change comes in. <laughs> yeah. Or like sometimes my dysfunctional family would have like a rager at our house. And then people would just leave their, like, change everywhere. Oh, you could take that. Yeah, when everyone was drunk and passed out, I would just go through the house picking up all the change. Yeah. Wicked score. Like, lunch on me next day, guys. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. No, if you leave something at my house and it's not too valuable, you can take it. Yeah. I think that's are... the rule, right? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they got pizza, they got beer, like, leave something, man. <laughs> that's like, take a dollar, leave a penny. So... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, I think, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about treasure hunting? <laughs> we could switch if you want. Um, I don't know. I, I just always like the idea of treasure hunting just because it sounded fun. I have a few stories um, okay, in yeah, the go vault for it. That, are, that are about treasure hunting. But yeah, no, we could switch to another topic. You have a because... few stories where? Oh, no, no, no. In the, like, uh, fictional stories that I oh, have. Oh, you've written yeah, stories. Yeah, written stories okay. on treasure hunting. Because it's fascinating. Where can you go out see and these you, stories? Um, <laughs> they can eventually see them at some point in time uh, at Tridel the or at thecomicgod.com. That's where I okay, sell my short gonna... stories. Oh, yeah? Okay. Thecomicgod.com. Yes. That's where it will be appearing. Okay. There you guys have it. Look up for that if you want to hear more on treasure hunting. Okay, back to the fortune cookie. You know what? I'm going to choose one of these little bad boys. Let's see. Next topic for today. I think it's going to be a goodie. I don't know, though. Let's see. Top 20 artistic contributors of all time and why. Hmm. Top 20 artistic contributors of all time. That's a really huge... Yeah. Like, That's wow. Like, do you say... Top 20. Like, who, who started electricity? Is then that... No, artistic. No, I know. But then if you... If you... What? It's a snowball effect. Whoever started electricity is why people can use um, digital sounds now. Right? Why? I don't understand. Because it, no electricity. Well, hey, we're not doing this podcast. We don't hear music mm. the same way. Right? Like as we do now. Things aren't getting out as fast. Hmm. When I think artistic contributor, I might think like Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. Like, think about the Disney empire. Disney's iffy. Just because 
he might have stifled a lot of cre- of artistic creativity too. But then he, I don't know. You could go back and forth with everything all day. Well, that's, Every, what, that's if the you whole name point a of the podcast. Person, <laughs> <laughs> if you name a great person, someone else could tell you why that great person. Was but that's okay. Let's try. Let's see. Let's see if we can come up with a list that we actually but agree I'll take on. Walt. I'll take Walt Disney. You'll take Walt Disney? Yeah. And we're giving it to him because he was able to effectively create an empire of characters. Mm-hmm. Original characters, storylines. That's dope. I'm yeah. going to actually write it down and try to come up with a real 20. Can you pass me that? And, um, okay, so we got Walt Disney. Let's go. Top 20. So we agree on Walt. And I think it's obvious why. I don't think we have to belabor that. Walt Disney, top creator. Okay, artistic in all the world, in all of time. Um, hmm. Okay, so I'm going to say you probably won't know this name. Don't tell but me why. Andrew Loomis. And I say this because he popularized a version of figure drawing, which everyone uses today for comics, for for just uh, designing their figures, whether it's uh, painting or figure drawing or... So he popularized it? He didn't create it? So it's called the it's called the Loomis Method. And, but I heard recently that Loomis learned it from his guy and his guy probably... Like his... Uh, whoever he Mentor. studied under. Yeah. And he, the guy... That guy probably learned it from someone else. So it's like who has the name... So the person that gets the credit is Loomis because that's the person we know. Yeah. And it's really, you have three styles. You have Loomis, you have Riley, which I don't know which that one is. And you have, um, but, damn, it starts with a B. Ah, I forgot. These are the artistic these styles. Are the art, these are the art figure, people, the figure, figure drawing, drawing styles. Yeah, very important figure drawing people. Okay. But um, anyways, I, I'd put him if there. If you know just the name, the third name, put it in the comments, please. We're curious. Just because it's so big for comics and how people draw figures Well, you are the comic god, so I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. All right, so then let's go over to musicians. That'll be fun. So what do you think of, like, actually before that? What I was going to say is Shakespeare. Because I feel like, in, like I was saying to, who was I saying it to? Oh, today my friend said to me, Jessica, you're so diplomatic. <laughs> and how nobody, like people only listen to the first couple words. So she always gets straight to the point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know, but I long for a day when we heard sonnets in a park and listened <laughs> and re- and marveled in them. <laughs> and so I just feel like when I think of Shakespeare, I think of a time where people really appreciated literature and linguistics and prose and even love and romance and drama t- in a different way. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, there was like a there. It wasn't just art. It was art and intellect, and I think that that's what's missing. Like I don't think I think our food is highly processed, and so is our entertainment these days. That like you've sucked all the intellect, and we just get the the fattening art. You know what I mean? Um. So what about Shakespeare? You put Shakespeare on there. Okay. I think you romanticized that time, but um. So talk about it. 
Tell me. Well, Shakespeare stuff were mostly plays, and they're mostly plays because most. I'm pretty sure at that point in time, most people were illiterate, who they couldn't read. So it's not like Shakespeare stuff was. They're all plays. Yeah, but do you think plays are for the Ill- illiterate? Like, no. <laughs> I, no, you said. I think there's a whole Broadway and... <laughs> Broadway circuit that might not agree with you. No. you. You said, oh, the how how they appreciated language and linguistics. A lot of the people who were watching it probably at that time weren't the smartest in the world. I so don't know. I think you're romanticizing the time a little bit, but yeah. No. Was Shakespeare, Shakespeare the smartest though? Because uh, I don't know if we're just. Discuss- I, I don't know. If are I'd we call him the judging audiences we... or are we judging? But he's creators? a writer. He's a good writer. No, you no. I'm just saying you're nah. romanticizing the time. Yeah, that's, that's true. I was I like, they were so intelligent. Your, and they're yeah. watching these plays within. Maybe I am romanticizing it, but isn't he a romantic writer? Uh. To oh. some degree, like I find anything, like I find the English language so romantic. I know there's people that say the French language is romantic or Italian is romantic, but I know English and it's so it can be if used the right way, so romantic. Right. I just don't think it's used that way anymore. And so when I think of Shakespeare, that's part of it. Like, and of course, like there's tragedy and there's drama, but I don't know. I think like when we look at the question, which is contributors artistic contributors i don't think anyone can doubt that shakespeare is a major player in that space yeah so that's the one i'd like to lock in okay. your turn go and blow for blow um how about beethoven oh yeah he was huge well, back Bach, chopin beethoven which one why beethoven specifically because he was huge back in the day and also there's a rumor that he might have been black <laughs> yeah, that's right. Winner is Beethoven, guys. So I like to bring that up as much as possible. <laughs> I don't even so. know how to spell it. But yes, Beethoven gets it. Well, I love classical. I used to play classical for you when you were in yeah. my time. I listen to it if I have to if I'm writing, I'll either do like some lo fi hip hop beat stuff or classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'll do classic until it gives me anxiety because I could only do it for so long, and then <laughs> it really goes, and I'm like, ah. I know. I used to play it to fall asleep, and sometimes I'd wake up with my heart racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, it does get, oh, maybe I gave you anxiety, because I would play you a lot of Bach, Chopin, and Beethoven, but to be honest with you, mostly Bach and Chopin. Like, I'm actually, I'm not going to lie to you, I'll give you Beethoven, but to me, I'm going to say that's a three for one deal. It's because I actually really, if you guys haven't like put in the comments, who do you prefer? And if you haven't checked them out, check them out. But Bach and Chopin, to me, it's easier listening. Like it's just, it doesn't, Beethoven brings you places you might not want to go emotionally. It's mm-hmm. very dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it like a little stressful. I know. I'll be painting. I'll be, I'll be nice and calm. Beethoven, right? And like, whereas Bach is like real smooth and Chopin too. Like, they have a lot of smooth 
So I think I definitely prefer those two, to be honest. Those are my favorite classical artists. Jazz with the beat under it, now that we're talking about instrumental, but like yeah. smooth jazz with a nice hip hop beat under it, like a yeah. nice beat under it, where, always I, sounds nice. Where do you hear that? I, don't I, I go on YouTube that. and I just check out different beats. Oh, okay. And like, so I'll, I'll say jazz, hip hop, fusion, instrumental, for example, oh. and then I'll see if they have a long stream of it, and that's what I do for studying. If I if I know I'm writing and I can't like hear anything, I'll just look. Not necessarily a playlist. Sometimes there's just long streams and there's multiple different songs okay. on it, and that's what I'll listen to. Just because it's uh, for for anything. Sometimes I'll do hip hop beats. Sometimes I'll do rap beats. It just really depends. Or instrumentals. Uh, it really, it really just depends. But um. Yeah, no, if, if I'm writing and can't listen to lyrics or anything funny or whatever, I just got to do something like that because now when I'm in the zone. Mmm. I see. Yeah. So I used to watch Fantasia to fall asleep mm -hmm. and that gave me the same trouble that classic music can give you. Like you start off and it's nice and it's mickey mouse and it's a do, 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 la 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 dancing and then when you wake up you're like oh, my heart's racing what's <laughs> happening and the brooms have taken over and the yeah. waters are the mops and the water's everywhere i love fantasia though because i think when i'm whenever i don't feel well if i watch fantasia mm -hmm. somehow i don't know why i just connect that to like yeah you did that for me too put on fantasia to help you feel better yeah yeah, does anybody else put on Fantasia to help them feel better? When I had chicken pox, it was Fantasia and Samurai Jack. Yeah, <laughs> me too when I had I chicken remember. pox. Maybe that's why, but no, uh, not Samurai Jack. I won't say I watched that. <laughs> Samurai Jack was so dope. It was mostly silent. Um, well, the guy is mostly silent. Sometimes other characters will talk, but I don't know. It's very cool visuals and not a lot of uh, talking that I remember anyways. I haven't watched it in a minute, but... Um, I liked it. Yeah. Sometimes not a lot of dialogue when you're not feeling well is dope. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we got four. What about Tupac? Can we go that far? Can we call him one of the top 20 artistic contributors of all times? I mean, I know people would say Michael Jackson probably, but like if I'm to say what influences my life more... I think Tupac, I don't know, it's hard. What do you think? Um, well... Like, Music-wise, I think it's a hard one if you're going, like, artist. Well... You go genre by genre. If we're doing who put people... Ah, it's hard. Because I was going to say, if we're doing who put people on, you got to go... Um, oh, like Dr. Dre, because he put Tupac on. He he, he kind of made him. Oh yeah, and and but Snoop, then before that, kind of Easy E and Eminem. Yeah, and like yeah, no, I'm saying like yeah. a bunch of people. But before but then, that, Easy E put Dr. Dre. Like how far? But yes and no, because Dre was doing his thing, and Easy wasn't doing his thing. And then Dre, and then Dre and recruited Easy as a money yeah. man. And then Dre saw something in Easy, and then Dre. Oh, you know, actually, because I have my book. Yeah. Oh, I love my book, guys. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a dope. I think it's like the business of hip hop. Ugh, it's 
the best book ever. Ooh, it's a good book. So anyway, um, what had happened was Easy E had recruited some guys to come and perform that, like do the the yeah. cut of that song. Yeah. And they didn't show, right? They felt they were too nice or whatever. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. That's my rendition of the story. <laughs> and um, and then so Dre's like, whatever, we don't have no time for this. Easy, you're going to learn. And so, yeah, I think Dr. Dre, shit. Dr. Dre, it gets it. He yeah. might get it. He might get it. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Dre, you thought it was big when you launched Beats today? <laughs> <laughs> On three shots and a mango beer, you are being coined. One of the top 20 artistic contributors of all time, Dr. Dre. Hit us up at, um, well, I'm at Jessica Vibes. I don't think I've ever said that, but yeah, you can follow me. You can follow me at Jessica Vibes, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-V-I-B-E-Z um, on Instagram. Or you could check out Three Shots and a Mango Beer. Um, but yeah, Dre, we're giving it to you. It's a big honor. Respect. Congratulations. All right. So we got Dre. Now. Hmm. Artistic. So what? So it's like it brings us to this con- kind of concept. What is artistic contribution? I love this podcast today because this episode today because it, it allows us to get nerdy. It allows us to get analytical. It allows us to show our business side. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like our knowledge of creative Ooh. stuff. Okay, so I'm gonna. I already talked about this on this podcast, but That's Todd okay. McFarlane, mm-hmm. because I think he was part part of the lineage. Is Todd McFarlane like everyone that started Image? But Todd McFarlane was part of the linchpin that made artists go like, "Oh, hey, we have worth," right? In the comic book industry specifically. So I think that was huge. Um, and you still have a bunch of indie comics today where it's artists just telling their story and yeah, you don't need a writer. Um, so what is a linchpin? Uh, I don't know. People say that. Is it like, <laughs> you said it and you didn't know well, it. <laughs> I, I don't know half the things I that think, you say. Oh, the truth is I, out guys. I hear them and I hear them in the context and I repeat it and it works out for me. So but, no, <laughs> look it up if you're not sure. Oh my gosh! I feel Come like on, it might I teach be the, you better than this. I think it might be the pin and the grenade. I used to do that with musical lyrics, like Vogue. I'd be like, "This girl is her lover." Oh no, that's not Vogue. This girl is poison. That's poison. Yeah, a uh, person or thing. Vital to an enterprise or organization. Uh-huh. Or a pin passed through the end of an axle to keep a wheel in position. <laughs> so, so the so main which part. which one was he? So the main part. It's basically the main part. So he was like the core. Dri- you're basically saying he was a driving force behind art- artists being recognized individually for their skills. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. I got one. I got one. We're on number one, two, three, four, five, six. I got one. Bob Marley. Do I need to say why? I think like Jamaica is so amazing. Obviously, we're part Jamaican up in here. Okay, shout out Jamaica. Love, love, love. One love out of many. One 
right? Yeah. Out of one, many. Out of many, one. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Don't revoke my Jamaican card, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But um, I'd say Bob Marley because, I mean, I don't know when Bob Marley passed exactly, but I know it was a very very long time ago now. I know that he's like. He's an international symbol for Jamaica. And I don't know how much he's influenced. Like, he definitely influenced international reggae music. And if you speak to a lot of reggae artists out of Jamaica, they'll say that that opened the door. I mean, a lot he of people He got a lot of give... white people into reggae. There's still a lot of, like, white people that just listen to Bob Marley. Reggae. Oh, Bob Marley. Yeah, yeah. They really do. Only, like, exactly. My grandma even was like that. Like, if I was, like, bringing home Shabaranks or I was bringing home, you know, Buju Bantan, because everybody knows I love Buju Bantan, um, she was like, Bob Mar, put on some of that Bob Marley. (laughs) 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 So funny. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think he did open the door in terms of making reggae palatable to audiences who maybe prior to that would not have considered it. Some people like to give Peter Tosh his flowers, which of course give Peter Tosh his flowers. But if you did a survey, I think most households, I'd be remiss to find any household that doesn't know who Bob Marley is. I don't know who Peter Tosh is. And that's the thing. And and so, so it was Bob Marley and the Whalers. I don't want to get too deep into this conversation and look stupid, so I'm not going to go too hard. But I think... Okay, and it's okay. If I'm wrong about something, just correct me in the comments. We we, we, we a team up in this podcast. We a team. But um, as I understand, it's Bob Marley and the Whalers, and a part of that is Peter Tosh. Another founding father, Gregory Isaac. A lot of people give him his flowers. Um, so, like, these are just bottom line people who paved the doors for popularizing Jamaica and reggae music and making a dance hall even like although that's reggae and dance hall is quite different um they open the door so that like these other artists could get that call to say hey okay we're gonna we're gonna sponsor an international tour at the end of the day you bring home money and dollars the way bob marley brought home dollars you put bob on a tour the, you're cashing in at the end of the, the at the end of the day these companies care about money and they say, wow, there's a real market here. There's a real market and we want more artists from Jamaica because we want that money flowing. And it opened the door for a lot of artists too. That's what I think. So because I love Jamaica, and because, you know, I think we have to put Bob Marley as one of the 20. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's happening. That's number seven. Who next? You're up. I'm up. All right. Um. Oh, I know who I have next. Okay, go. Okay, fine. I love this person so much. Dr. Zeus. Okay. I feel like Dr. Zeus, who doesn't watch The Grinch Who Stole Christmas every year? Who didn't read Cat in a Hat as a child or Green Eggs and Ham? Dr. Zeus is a part of our culture. And... Also, as a lyricist, as a person who loves poetry, who loves hip-hop, Dr. Zeus basically 
is like your basically like his the way he wrote it's like there's a rhythm to what he did and like he just I think he sets a foundation for people to like easily go love poetry or go love hip hop or go just love rhythm in in a storytelling situation you know what I mean and I feel like he's just a pop culture icon that and, and before he died there was so much integrity to his brand he like was really careful with what he would lend his brand to. Now, after he died, be careful who you leave your brand to, people, because what I do know is he had certain things that he did not want done with his brand and that those things were done after he passed. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, yes, well, I think he's an incredible artist, and then he created all these characters. So you can have respect for that, all these characters. And then he had lessons, like Yertle the Turtle. What a great lesson, right? Or the Sneech, but the Sneeches, another great lesson. And then my mom used to read me the Dr. Zeus Sleep book, which was such a long book. Do you still have that book or is yep. that? Okay, good. Because we have to read that to your child when you have one. And I'm not playing, mm. okay? Okay, I expect it. It's a nice long book. It's the perfect book to put children to sleep. It even says, oh, the, the, sne the sneeches are sleeping and the falls. I don't remember the exact. But anyway, so Dr. Zeus. Yeah, that's my next one. Dr. Zeus, I love him. I brought on Dr. Well, you brought Dr. Dre, actually. I brought Dr. Zeus, but that's okay. Who next? Well, that's number eight. We got 20. Um, Joseph Campbell. Who's that? That's the writer of Hero of a Thousand Faces. Okay. The hero with a thousand faces, and he basically broke down every myth into into categories, and how every story has these categories. Like and, in terms of mythology writing. Yeah. Interesting. And then um, that was kind of brought back, and from that, people took his book and was like, "Oh, this is a perfect template for everything." And then they started writing just in that template and you can see it in every movie so it, it give follows. us some examples like movies where we can see it and how it actually follows the method like star wars the original star wars is great um you have the hero and he's in his normal life and then the hero he's called to adventure but he doesn't take it and then he's kind of, he's either forced to or decides to go to adventure and then it, it just goes on from there and yeah the hobbit has it uh star wars has it back to the future has it they all have the same like formula that but it's so malleable that you could do it different ways and no one will notice and then a bunch of writers got a hold of that and started writing all those movies and basically that's what our generation is now it's just Following that method. Is following that method. That's amazing. Well, 100%. He should get a gold star next to his name, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. All right. Amazing. Is, is he deceased? I think he wrote the book a long time ago. Hold on. Let me check. Yeah. So while you're checking, I'm going to go further into Dr. Zeus because I love him so much. I love you, Dr. Zeus. R.I.P. Um, Dr. Seuss, I just, cause you know, our brand Platinum Rouge 
is all about edutainment and we have edutainment i mean you can get this podcast on platinumrouge.com but we have edutainment books we have our hip-hop heroes and they follow a rhythmic pattern rhyme and they also teach life lessons so i also really just am obsessed sorry guys i'm really obsessed with how dr zeus would always teach just really good life lessons like robert munch would like tell about some crazy monster story but then like there'd be no no lesson at the end and like i'm a like sink your teeth into the book type of reader like i need something out of it that i carry with me and i just feel like doctors this makes you think you're having fun while also like i guess elevating you and i'm i love that okay so what did you find out is joseph uh deceased yeah in the 80 87 87 so it's been a while Okay, well, RIP to him too, but we appreciate the legacy, man. Mm-hmm. That's what we're out here trying to do. We're out here one day, and you know, a hundred years, someone's going to sit down and be like, top 20 artistic influencers. You know those podcasters who are epic, <laughs> who are also authors and creators. Um, okay, so next one. We got, we got, we're, we're doing this list. We got 11 more to go. Artistic influencers. Why? You're next. Oh, okay, fine. If I'm next, I'm going to say, I mean, really? I'm next? Okay. (laughs) The next big artistic influencer. Mm, It's hard because everybody... So you can be artistic without being an influencer. This, uh, this even calls into question the idea of an influencer, right? Yeah. Um, because, like, I could say Freddie Mercury was incredibly artistic, but, like, I don't think he led... He led a lot of fans, but I don't think he led a movement in terms of changing... And then, it's okay if you disagree, put it in the comments, but I don't know what he changed or what he influenced. Right. I love him. I listen to his music, but what did he change? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even Biggie and Tupac tried to, to like, by them, unfortunately, by us losing them, you had East Coast, West Coast unite. I mean, I I think if we had to give it up to another hip-hop person, and I might not have said this back in the day, but, like, looking at how it all played out, Snoop has to get his flowers because he he's, he's still standing. Yeah. But I don't think he's revolutionary in anything. Snoop? Yeah. I think in the like way he does that he dives, that's what and... I think is revolutionary is that he takes like his kind of hood. He's never stopped being hood. He's never stopped being himself. He hasn't even stopped wearing his color, right? Like he's him. I I I seen like a post the other day where they asked him like now like that we're in this Me Too era. You know, do you regret the things you said about women? back in your songs and he was like no fuck them (laughs) and all i have to say about that is he's authentic like be you you're you like don't lie about who you are whether someone agrees or doesn't agree really doesn't change the fact that you actually are who you are so say what you think, right? Like I'd rather I'd rather deal with I'd rather deal with someone who's real in my face than fake in my face and then they're still going to go be themselves behind my back anyway. 
right? So at the end of the day, I I, I respect a real G, and he's a real G, right? But why I think he's a little revolutionary is just that, I mean, I know he's a hustler. I know he's just, like, getting in where he's fitting in, and he fits in a lot of places. But also, like, I don't know. I feel like that does open doors. Okay, fine. We won't give it. Sorry, Snoop, but, like, we're... <laughs> Huh. I mean, no, like, we do, we, Snoop, we love you so much. You have no clue. You're a big, He's big good at his craft. I just don't think he was fundamental in anything too specific, right? I get it. I like get it. fundamental as art Influence, in a whole. Influential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what about his laid back sound? Is that, does that go to him? Like, that laid back, the creator of, actually, you know who might get it? Shit. Do what does um and I would never think that, but since we're talking about influential sounds, do we have to give it to who's my guy up there? The book? Um, no, not that's Alicia Keys. I have a lot of books, guys, right here. Here he is. Gucci. Gucci Mane. Cause did he not create trap music? Who's the creator of trap music? Or is it TI? Because that's a whole that's a whole debate. Guys, you can you can put it down. Who is the creator of trap music? Let us know who you think created trap music. But, I mean, I know the Migos were a big representation of trap, but that came out of Gucci. I would have said um, Waka because... Waka Flocka? Yeah, because that's the first person I ever... Uh, I haven't read what I'm about to read yeah. because I Googled it. But Waka, because he's the first person I ever did... I ever heard who made that sound, right? Mm. Um, I go hard in the... Hey, hey. <laughs> it was great, but uh, is it Ti? Am I right? I love Ti. I'm so obsessed with Ti. Uh, trap at all? Um, hold on. I mean, the his... modern the modern trap sound was popularized by producer Lex Luger, who produced influential Waka Flocka Flame album mm, Flockaville, mm-hmm. <laughs> 2010, Lex and. Luger. Co-founded the prolific hip hop production team 808 Mafia. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Some I was right. Waka Flocka. Okay, I think it's actually going to Lex. Oh yes. yeah, but the first album he worked on, which you heard that sound is from Waka there, Flocka. Is yeah, is Waka Flocka. So I so was half right. We're gonna say Waka Flocka is the godfather of trap music. Is that what we're saying in this episode here? Yeah, I'm that's madness. That. I did not expect that to happen during this episode, guys. I don't even know how I feel about Waka Flocka. Huh? I don't even know how I feel about Waka Flocka. Uh, Well, you liked them when they... I heard it because you played it. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I do like this. I mean, yeah. And he seems like a genuine dude anytime I heard him on interviews. Oh, okay. Okay, we can give it to Waka Flocka, godfather (laughs) of... Of trap, because I love I love me some trap sometimes. So number ten goes to Waka Flocka. Wow, that's a big honor, Waka Flocka, because you know Dr. Dre's on this list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put Waka Flocka and Lex and Lex and Lex, yeah, and Lex. We're gonna give it to you both, you know. Um, anybody coming out of Atlanta, like we talked about this before. I love that sound. Like, I love that dirty self. Do you remember for a minute, like a second, they were trying to fuse rock and rap? Not... It's not like Party no, and they the Rock. Try- like yeah, party like goes- a rock star. And- oh, okay. I thought you were trying to bring it back to Russell Simmons, who was literally um, Russell Simmons and um, Rick Rubin, 
who were literally fusing rock and rap with mm-hmm. Run DMC and Aerosmith and no no no, no, no. I didn't mean that I meant like when they it was just one person. And a few people tried to do it, and it was a weird era in rap. It was one rap, like, I guess, wasn't... I feel like rap took a dip for a while. Yeah, like, we... we and like, then people started making weird things. And then later on, people, I think, kind of got back to form a little bit, and it started to go back up. But it was like... Um, that does happen in music, though. Like, honestly, I find that in my life, if I was, like, looking at a timeline, like, sometimes reggae is popping, like, dancehall's popping, and I'm on my dance hall and, and hip hop's taking a dip. So I'm like, hey, well, dance hall's popping, you know? And then dance hall will dip and hip hop will, will go up. And then I'll be on my hip hop. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, so it does happen. But no, who tried to do Party Like a Rock Star? That wasn't really rock rock. That's not rock rock. Totally, dude. Files. <laughs> That's not rock. <laughs> That's what people think rock was, and that's why it was bad. Is because a bunch of black people who didn't know what rock was. Wow, that's like when white people try to impersonate yeah. us. It comes out the same. Like when you see a white person, they're like, "Yeah, man, yeah, man." <laughs> oh, they're chicken man. <laughs> Irie man. Like, um, this is awful. Why Sorry, are you doing white this people. To us? We're not laughing at you. We 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 part white too. It's all good. <laughs> Sorry, mommy. <laughs> no, they do that, and it's not. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry. They yeah. really do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy shit! Yeah, that's how it sounds. Cause yeah. that, that's more like a surfer dude, right? Like totally, dude. That's a surfer, right? Yeah. That's not even like rock, rock. But uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a rock person making fun of a surfer. <laughs> Exactly, but they didn't know, so it was a bunch of people. Oh my god, don't kill me. That's more like, what's that thing though, like Nirvana, like that's more like that current, is that considered rock, like Nirvana? Nirvana's rock, right? That's not current though, Nirvana's back in the day, isn't it? I mean, not that far back, it's not Aerosmith back in the day, it's not even like... Like Nirvana and Metallica. No, that's not when Metallica was I don't know, I I don't know, I don't know rock like that, in my head... They're similar. No, Nirvana was out when you were little. Yeah? I think so. And, like, what's the people that nobody likes to admit that they listen to? I don't know. (laughs) There's, like, a few groups, but, like, there's, like, there's, like, one particular group that nobody, and I'm not talking to kids on the block, because that was a thing, too, for a while. Like, people with closet blockheads, you know? Mm -hmm. I just invented that guy's blockheads for new kids on the block. Trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you do it. If you just yell it out, then it's trademarked. Eighty nine, ninety one, ninety three. So before I was born, yeah. I'm shocked. That's when Nirvana was out. Huh. So who's the one that nobody will admit that they listen to? I'm not sure. Can you? Oh, um. I have it on the tip of my tongue. Hold on. Uh, well, look at this photograph. That those guys. What is it? Uh, Not simple plan. No. 
Who is it? Oh my god. Yeah, see, Metallica was out near Nirvana. Tell me about this other one. Look up who was popping in two thousands. Because I want to know who the who the group. This is way off topic, but I want to know what we sort Nickelback. Nickelback. There we go. Nobody would admit that they. What do they sing? What do they sing? Look at this photograph. No man, you'd have to like. What do they sing? Like sing it. Alex loves Nickelback. I, I bet you everybody listens to Nickelback. How you remind me, far away, rock star. Party like a rock star? No, just rock star. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. What about like? I guess we'd have to say Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. For comedy, right? Because I wanted to go back. I mean, technically, technically, we could go back to Richard Pryor. Yeah. Right. I think that's the right thing to do is to go back to <laughs> Richard Pryor. Obviously, I'm an Eddie Murphy fan. And everybody, he opened the door for like Chris Rock. Oh, I love Chris Rock. Right. Like who the hell doesn't think Chris Rock's funny? I mean, you'd have to have never heard or read his jokes. Um, yeah, big comedians. Bernie, Bernie Mac. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say an honorable mention to Bernie Mac because I love Bernie Mac. And when he died, that hurt. Not actually hurt. Like that's how you know you're great. When, when you're loved, I ain't met you, but like your death hurt me. Because you're, you're special. Like, that hurt more than, like, Princess Diana. Sorry. Like, does that offend well, anybody? But that's just... that offend anybody? Okay, <laughs> that's just me. Like, Bernie Mac hurt more than Princess Diana. I know Princess Diana was a big thing. That's why I compare it. Not to disrespect nobody, because, you know. But Bernie Mac. Jeez, what a loss. Yeah. Him during the podcast era, which is the era we're in now. I know. <laughs> Bernie Mac would be epic on a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love you, Bernie. R.I.P. But who are we giving it to, though? Who's number 11 going to? For comedy? Yeah, um, for comedy. I don't know much about Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. So we have to give it to Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Because I know all the doors he opened. All right, Eddie. This is all about you. And the great thing is he's alive. Yeah. Um. So, Eddie Murphy, you are number 11. You are one of our top 20 Artistic contributions of all time. Congratulations, Eddie. <laughs> I feel like this is a real award show. I feel like like they should be honored. This is honorable. Because we're, we're making these decisions real time. Like, we, we dig in deep, you know? So, like, it's authentic. All right. So, what about Anna Nicole Smith? Or if I go deeper, Marilyn Monroe. What'd she do? She's beautiful. And... She's size 16. So I feel like she modernized. Now, I know back in the day, if you actually look at like portraits of women, like the sexiest women, they were women with curves and shape and quite frankly, fat on them, which is fine, right? Like that was because that was synonymous with wealth, right? Like if you had some size, you had some money, you, you had food. You, <laughs> you weren't starving. You weren't telling up Magadag, right? But it's okay to be MAGA. I don't mean that rude. I mean that, like, back in the day, that's what it was. And then we overcorrected, and then we were starving people to get into sizes minus, minus, you know, whatever. And so, okay. And now we're kind of coming to the point where we're like, whatever you are, love yourself, which is exactly where we should be, thank God. But I feel like Marilyn Monroe, being a size 16, is somebody that everyone can kind of look back. Was she a 12 or a 16? I'm not sure. 
but whatever. Everybody can look back and be like, nah, of course that's beautiful. And I especially think in white culture, because being half black, I've experienced both. Like in the black culture, you know, Coca-Cola, Bakoshepa, it's around the place. Broke out, broke out, you're around the place. So you know, like, yeah, my shape is embraced, you know? Whereas in white culture, like you have Jane Fonda, who was like straight as a stick, and everyone was trying to look, be like, I know, Jane Fonda's beautiful in her own right, no disrespect, but not everybody's gonna look like that. I mean, in my white family, be like, whoa, Jessica, like, why do you have a big ass? You know what I mean? Whereas in the black family, it's like, yes, Jessica, look upon you and your big ass. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I feel like at least someone like um, Marilyn Monroe and Nicole Smith, they bring the curves to white culture. And isn't that artistic? Like, it's artistic in terms of what's beautiful. Isn't just beauty artistic? I don't think they bring the curves to white culture. Who did? Who brought the curves to white culture? Black people. Black people brought the curves to white culture? They weren't. They, they, I'm sure that's what made it cool. Because you look at the videos in the 70s, and there's all these skinny girls, and everyone's like, woo! <laughs> these girls that look like children. And, and then you get... I don't know. From my point of view, yeah. when I started seeing a thicker people be appreciated, yeah. it's because there was a boom in hip-hop, there's a boom in black culture, there's a boom in streetwear, and look, everyone starts slowly changing their form to forms more uh, reminiscent of the black culture. That's, that is 150% what is happening right now. And as somebody who was tormented as a mixed female, it's, it's a difficult thing to reconcile. In, inside of me because it's kind of like hold on aren't you the same people that were like whoa your lips are big aren't you the same people that like were like whoa Jessica your ass is big aren't you the same people that were like oh why are you brown now you want to tan and a salon you want to get lip injections and butt pl butt implants bro would why were you asked why were you hating you just straight up were trying to be me like, I do feel that way, 150%, because I had to be tortured. So since I had to be tortured, like, what the actual F? Like, that doesn't feel right. Imagine, imagine me being like, why are you so pale? And bullying somebody, and then going and getting my, and go, going and bleaching after. It's like, you can't reconcile that inside of you. So no, for sure, everything you just said is correct. But... Marilyn Monroe was not around during that time. Mm -hmm. Mae West wasn't around. I don't know. Do you know who Mae West is? No. She used to be like this old movie star and she'd always have this like cigarette in her hand that looked like a pen. And then she had like curves and she'd be like, hey, big boy, why don't you come up and see me sometime? That was like her line. That <laughs> was her line. That was funny. Anyway, she was like a old, old-timey sex symbol, I guess. But I feel like those people came around before hip-hop. Because remember, when hip-hop came out what, in the 80s. Yeah. So, and it took time to, like, come out of, like, I grew, like, me being in the hood, I heard, I would hear stuff before, like, mainstream maybe, right? Because right. it was like, there was an underground, and then everybody knows, underground hip-hop, and then it surfaces, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, it took time for white people to embrace it, and then the reggae that we were listening to 
like I would hear white people listen to like red red wine so Bob Marley and then whoever is it a white person who sings red red wine but like red red wine yeah anyway I always sing that somehow it comes up in every other podcast <laughs> with that song because that's the one where past the duchy mm-hmm. past the duchy upon the left hand side I don't know that's like some kids singing which is interesting or it sounds like some kids singing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so so you're not giving it to Marilyn. Basically, you're vetoing it. You're saying no. UB40? UB40? Sings Red Red Wine? Wait, hold on. Yeah. So I, I guess you're trying to say beauty is not an art. Um, no, or not something that's revolutionized. Fine. Sorry, Marilyn, I tried. You're, so then, okay, then you come up with one. Um, Are they white? Yeah, I have two. I have, uh, well, I have one of two. This is both related to manga. Okay. Um, one is Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball. And so how does he change everybody else's stuff? I think he revolutionized the battle type manga. The manga where, and if you look at everybody now, everyone's copying either... Or inspired by him, or inspired by someone who ins- was inspired by him. That's the same, like, um... But what are they copying? What has he influenced? The the goofy character having a long adventure. Um, yeah, the goofy character having a long adventure. Seeing him, them grow up. That's not usually in stories. That's a very manga-specific thing. Okay. Linear time like that, having something so long running, and your character is actually maturing as it goes. Because look at Superman; he's been the same since the sixties or forties mm-hmm. or whatever he came out. So, anyways, um, he's been the same. Uh, manga progresses, and I think that's in part due to Akira Toriyama. Akira Toriyama. Okay, cool. I don't know enough to veto it. But when I get a chance to veto something, <laughs> I will avenge you and your veto of Marilyn Monroe. Okay, so who else? Um, so I was going to say it's either between him and um, the authors of Fist of the North Star, Tetsuo Hara and Bronson. Bronson? Um, because they started like the muscle-bound anime dude <laughs> and that has inspired a bunch of people too from jojo's bizarre adventures to i'm sure berserk and just many great stories so mm-hmm. they also did something with the battle manga but i don't know if it has as much influence as akira toriyama that's why i picked akira toriyama under the two and those were both uh mid 80s mid to early 80s those both came out I know so, our knowledge of all time is quite limited to within our lifetime almost. Yeah. So it's, Well, if you want to go manga, the first one oh, I'm pretty sure one. was Rocket Boy. Rocket Rocket Boy? Mhm. Yeah, was, I'm pretty sure the first manga was Rocket Boy. And or one of the first, one of like the founding ones and that was I think either 40s or 60s similar time to when um I got one. Maya Angelou. Okay. 
And the reason, do you know who Maya Angelou is? I know the name. Okay, she's a modern day poet. And the reason it matters so much to me, beautiful black woman, recently deceased, may she rest in peace, I believe. Um, and a poet, and she would read, she would like, attend like something like Barack Obama would have something and she would read a poem there or a lot of public events and stuff. And so I feel like today, like I'm a poet in my soul. I'm a poet. So today it's hard to get those, uh, invited out to perform poetry, um, and be paid for it. And she did this, did this successfully and was known as a a prolific poet and that was her main thing that she gift that she shared with the world and i just know how hard it is like uh you know honorary shout out to Dwayne. um oh my gosh i think it's Dwayne johnson okay i can't shout him out <laughs> but he knows uh Dwayne morgan okay honorary sorry Dwayne. It's actually kind of like an acquaintance friend of mine, but like, yeah, Dwayne Morgan from Toronto, he's ha has his own show. He did it. I remember meeting Dwayne Morgan in the YMCA when I was like a little teenager and he would had these folded books that he had done at Kinko's or something that had his poetry in it and he had a table and he was selling his poets, poetry. And I've always been a closet, what I say is a closet poet because I write poetry all the time, but I don't share it often. You can go to PlatinumRouge.com and hear my poem called Becoming Black History, which is a commentary on the state of the world for black men and how we need to support them. So I do, so I do encourage you to go listen to that or download it and read it or what have you. But um, yeah, a big time closet poet. And so um, Dwayne, when I met him, I said, do you really think Cause I would, you remember I'd take you to poetry slam competitions yeah. and stuff when you were a kid and you even did a poem and, and that was like, you won an award for it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, I remember saying to Dwayne, do you really think you could make a living out of this? And he was like, yeah, he does. And it was like, to me, incredibly far fetched that somebody could make a living doing what they love, poetry, so abstract, you know, and I didn't. I, I just didn't have that confidence in myself to try even go there, mm -hmm. right? Like it was just, I felt so heated and shy even when I I performed. And so he did make a living and his shows are huge. And he has like annual shows and now he has a TV show and his books do amazing. And, and I'm just so very deeply proud of him because I remember him in the beginning at the YMCA with those Kinko copied poems that he was selling and he's come so damn far and it's just unbelievable but when I look at my so when I look at Maya Angelou it, it's like poetry still matters to me there's all types of reasons to love her there's all types of lessons in her story there's all types of you know nuances but and profound words and quotes and but just the fact that poetry still matters there's still a place for poetry in this world guys you can book me if you want at Jessica Vibes, but yeah, poetry still matters. And so yeah, I love Maya Angelou. So that is my pick, number 13. Congratulations, Maya. It's actually an honor. She's so beautiful. Okay, who else? Well, 
influential artistic folks. Artistic folks. Oh, um, Mary Shelley. Who is she? I'm pretty sure that's her name. The creator of Frankenstein. Why is that influential? Because I'm pretty sure it's the first sci-fi book. Really? Or one of the first sci-fi books. Like, it's among the first sci-fi books. Really? Um, Frankenstein is one of the first sci-fi books? Don't quote me on this. <laughs> but. <laughs> but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. If you guys haven't listened to enough episodes, that is now a slogan of ours. Don't quote us, but we're not big on the fact-checking. We're just free. Like, we just, we just keep it 100. When you join us, you're getting... The real deal, the way mother and son talk. We have a good bond. Like, thank God we're super close. So really, this is just how we talk. And so, yeah, we, we don't fact check everything, but that's dope. I, I grew up loving Frankenstein. I had a big ass crush on Frankenstein. He was so like big and strong and masculine and monsterish. <laughs> it was published in 1880. 1880? 1818. 1818. Yeah. That's how old Frankenstein is? Jeez. Right. I had a crush on Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea Frankenstein was so old. I loved it. My grandma loved Frankenstein. We used to watch it together. The original is pretty scary. <laughs> so, so was it one of the original sci-fis? I mean, let's give it to her. Just the fact that she did Frankenstein, like, revolutionizing monster movies. Pretty big deal back then. Yep. Uh, following the 17th century development of the novel as a literary form, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, 1818, and, the, and another one she did called The Last Man, helped define the form of the science fiction novel. Hmm. I might check out The Last Man. Brian Aldiss has argued that Frankenstein was the first work of science fiction. See? Oh I know my, my God. stuff. <laughs> you do know your stuff. I'm impressed, Fidel. I, I might give you one of these spots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, soon enough. My time's coming. Oh my gosh. No, that's hella dope. That's hella dope. That's hella dope. Frankenstein, eh? I didn't know, man. I didn't even know Frankenstein was that old. All right. So what do you think of like DJ Khaled? He's been around so long and he's worked with... I know, right? From Frankenstein to DJ Khaled. Sorry. Obviously, Tredell is a lot deeper than I am, okay? It just is what it is. He knows more than me. I turn on my radio and get all my facts. <laughs> nah. I'm deep, guys. Um, DJ Khaled. For what, specifically? Nothing. I just wanted to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about Jessica Rabbit? The cartoon? Yeah. She's a cartoon. But she made being like curvy and sexy popular. If you're going for cartoon, I'd say Steamboat Willie. That's the first ever cartoon. I know we already said Disney, but... Is he created by Disney? Yeah, Steamboat Willie is turned into Mickey Mouse. Oh. I don't know. Who's the first superhero? That's an interesting question. So, I'm... <laughs> yeah this is a just... hardcore episode guys this is not that we ain't playing around on this episode we we really going in 
We're really going in. So we're, the, we're, we might just go for 15. Who would we give the last one to? But let's talk about the first, last superhero because you're the comic god. So that might be the thing to end up. So the first superhero, I'm pretty sure. I don't think we should cop it. We need to find 20. Was Superman and his like the classic Superman um, Really? Superman story, was the first superhero? Where he, he could like jump tall buildings. So I think he has to get. So who created Superman? Uh, Joe Schuster and someone else. So Joe Schuster gets number 15 then. Because, hello, would there be a comic god without a Superman? Joe Schuster. Congratulations, Joe Schuster. Because, I mean, if you created the first superhero... 1938. uh, DC Comics introduced the first costume superhero, Superman. In Action Comics number one. See? So without that, we wouldn't have all these other heroes. So he invented heroes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So 100%, 15 goes to Joe Schuster. Let's get it. We got 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. We need to get this done. Let's go. Who else has created top 20 artistic contributions of all time? So we got the first superhero. But also it might be the Phantom. <laughs> the Phantom? No, sorry. I gave, <laughs> I gave it to Joe. I gave it to Joe. Okay. I gave it to Joe. Well, well, let's give it to the other person who uh, created him too. Okay. So I'm going to look him up. It's Joe Schuster and... Okay. Uh, Does he get his own? <laughs> Is he number 16? <laughs> or are they one? Oh, not Joe Schuster. Oh yeah, no, Joe Schuster. Jerry Siegel. Oh, Jerry Siegel. No, that can't be the current Jerry Siegel because that was like no. the 1800s. Huh? I know Jerry. <laughs> Wayne Bo- Siegel and Schuster. So I was, I was half right. Okay, Siegel and Schuster. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, who made the first acoustic guitar? I'd like to give something to that person because acoustic. I feel like that had, would have had to be a long time ago, but right? With many renditions, right? Well, like, what was the first acoustic guitar? Because that's definitely my favorite instrument to listen to. I find it to be very soothing, very relaxing, very, like, I I find it to be very, very comforting. Um, 1796. Uh Uh-huh. To 18... Oh, that's his lifespan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it says uh, Christian Frederick Martin. Christian Frederick Martin? Yeah. Although steel string acoustic guitars are now used all over the world, the person who is thought to have created the first of these guitars was a German immigrant to the United States See? named Christian Big Frederick up the immigrants. Martin. Real talks. We all an immigrant or a descendant of an immigrant or the descendant of a descendant of an immigrant or so forth. I mean, we are, aren't we all? Everybody. Unless you're native to wherever you're from. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, that's good. So I love the acoustic guitar. That's like the way to get my heart pumping. So uh, big up Christian. Thank you, Christian. You're number 16. (laughs) Who else? Who else has changed the world of art? And what do we consider art? What do we consider art? Like, I just could talk for my own world and my own things I've been influenced by. 
I mean, you seem to not think that beauty is an art. Cause I, no, I have... it's something you're born with. Art is something that you have to learn and master, in my opinion. Guys, do you think beauty is an art? Can you please comment and support me in this argument, please? And I think art is something you always have to work on, right? So you don't always have to work on beauty? No. Bro, you think it's natural? Yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't stay. No, we talked about this earlier. There's a difference between girls who are naturally beautiful but don't take care of themselves and girls who may not have been born with as much so-called beauty or what that person sees as beauty, but they take really good care of themselves. They end up raising their own bar while the next girl lowers her bar and in that way, you may actually want the less generally attractive person because they become more attractive because they took care of themselves. Thus, beauty is work. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think so. How? 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 You literally you agree could take, with that. You could possibly take elements of beauty and say that's an art. For example, like uh, makeup can be an art. But... No, I don't think... But like I think the whole idea of being beautiful without makeup is even more artistic. Yeah. No, but I'm not saying you need... No, I'm saying makeup can be an art. And I'm not saying beauty, you need makeup. Right? Because, honestly, uh, I, I think less is more when it comes to that, personally. But, one doing one's makeup, I've seen, sometimes it pops up on my TikTok every now and again, and they do some interesting stuff with it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I see how that's an art. Mm -hmm. Right? They're using um, things I would use when I create, uh, when I'm designing a character. Whether it's balance and colors and blah, blah, blah. Right? Mmm... But beauty in and of itself, it's something you're born with. But maintaining it is an art form. I don't think so. Genetics. Mm. Okay, and art and, and, and hard work. Genetics and hard work to be healthy, but I don't think health is an art form. Well, I think it should be an art form. But no, it's something you should do, but I don't think it's an art form. Well, fine. So what do we define as art? Because we have four more awards to give away. And I'm about to say TV. I'm going to talk about TV shows that revolutionize things. Because I wanted to say this right off the hop. Three's, I'm going to give one to John Ritter. And that type of comedy. Like that whole, like, he did slapstick. Like, I feel like before John Ritter... Comedy, slapstick comedy was whack. Okay, don't hate me, guys. I'm just going to go with this. Like, this is how I feel. I didn't love the, the Three Stooges type of, of slapstick. Like, because I was raised by my grandma, I saw a lot of old movies. So, like, that kind of, like, do, 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 whack, whack, ah! Like, that, that's what they did. Like, that Three Stooges, have you not watched the Three Stooges? No, I, I don't want to because I, I've seen yuck, yuck, impressions. Yuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen impressions of them. And I'm like, oh, those go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Stooges, the stooges not, lovers will hate us. No, I don't like that type of slapstick and it always annoyed me because my grandma did like slapstick. And I do like corny jokes. But I didn't enjoy like slapstick, like, oh, I slipped on a banana. Like, I don't like that. I think it's whack. And I think it's actually low hanging fruit. <laughs> Get it? Banana. 
Low hanging fruit. Okay, I'm funny. Right. Anyway, <laughs> you should see how he's looking at me, guys. But um, yeah. So I feel like John Ritter and Three's Company. He did do some of that kind of like fall over the Was couch. Was he a writer? He's Jack Tripper. Well, his comedy is very similar through anything he did, even the last show. But was he, he a writer or an actor? Because then you'd have to give it up to the writers. No, but the writers tell a lot. No, John did create a lot of his own bits, is what it said. But the writers might do the lines. But if but it was he, all the bits you don't like, like them falling over the couch. No, I'm okay with it. I'm saying he did it in a way that wasn't annoying. Okay. He was not annoying. No, I waited for coming, knock on your door. I love that show, right? And so there's nothing annoying. And if I'm going to give it to him, I'm no Suzanne Summers. Like, maybe people aren't going to get it, but I love her so much. I want Suzanne Summers to get something, like an award with us. I don't think the two people you said were relevant enough for this category. It's not fair. I love them. So? So isn't that enough? They influenced me. Like Chrissy taught me how to be stupid. Like I really enjoyed like feminine stupidity. Sorry. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that yeah, comment. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, well. If this okay. makes it big, you're going to be in headlines. <laughs> <laughs> she enjoys feminine stupidity. <laughs> Okay, I'm very smart and I'm very feminine. So I'm not saying, but as a child watching the show, I'm sorry, that did resonate with me. You're going to go yell at child Jessica, four or five-year-old Jessica or whatever. Good luck. She's not here. I'm grown now, guys. But yeah, back then, I thought Chrissy Snow was the was it. And, and that was a role model. And I'm not making a very good case for why she should get an award. Nope. So I'm going downhill. Yeah. Okay, fine. I have a different one. Dolly Parton. And let me tell you why Dolly Parton. Yeah, no, I agree with okay. that. Just... All right. Yay, Dolly. I got you in, honey. So Dolly Parton, I'm still going to say why. I'm going to just sum it up with I Will Always Love You. Because that was like this little melody she wrote. She loves to tell that story. It's so cute. And she just had her little acoustic guitar or whatever. And she just wrote it out. And she was like one of the first women to really fight for the rights to own ownership in her copyright. And everybody knows we have Platinum Indie, which is our music brand. And we help independent artists, you know, take care of their business. So me, I'm very inspired by Dolly Parton and the way that she handled her business, took care of her business and secured her money because... Honey, you have to secure your own bag out here. It's important. And she did write those songs. She deserves to be compensated. But in a time where a lot of women are taken advantage of or don't ask for what they want because they're just so great, like what they deserve because they're just so grateful for opportunity. Um, Dolly really like had stake in her own intellectual property. And then when it hit with Whitney Houston, for example, that particular song, um, boom, Dolly's it's raining, you know, but it could have like a lot of the times it's just raining for someone else, even though you created it. And imagine to sit down and watch someone else just rain millions and you're just sitting there like, bro, I created that. It's painful. So, I mean, I love Dolly and I love how she handles her business. So number 17 goes to Dolly. Dolly, you are one of our top 20 
artistic contributions of all time. I think you're such an honor for like a role model for women and for anybody in the music business. Like dope ass dolly. And if we're sticking in the music business, what about um like a Russell Simmons or a and his partner Rick Rubin? Cause like look at they put on hip hop in a different type of way. Like they like where I guess they got it through commercial doors that other people weren't able to like Run DMC was able to get on international tours and, and television and, and, and certain stations that wouldn't play hip hop and they broke through with Aerosmith. Like that's pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin are also major influencers. And they brought up so many different like big players in the industry and if you look at like there's so many people in that time anyway um who kind of took a piece of hip-hop but it's all connected and in a lot of ways those who were connected to several of the beginning kind of notable acts i mean they were i think they had ll cool j on their thing yeah they did they had ll cool j on their thing you know what i mean yeah they had some they had some bangers so got two more make them good um, Joe Rogan. Okay. And I'm, why didn't I not see that coming? So is he for podcasting? Yes. He got yeah. all the major, um, comedians into podcasts. So, okay. and I, was I watched a, a lot of Was he a comedian originally? Yeah, he's a comedian. Oh, okay. He's yeah. a comedian. He was on Fear Factor. He, um, he does UFC stuff mm. too, but, uh, the, he's a comedian. That's the biggest thing. That's what I think what he was most known for before his podcast blew up. Okay. And the, being the fear factor guy. And people well. saw like, shit, Joe's doing it. And he told everyone to do a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, do a podcast. And they're like, why? He was like, trust me, do a podcast. And now everyone's making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just doing... Is Joe, is Joe are you getting royalties on that, bro? What are you doing? He's just a really good friend. He's just a, He seems like a uh, nice dude. We like you, Joe. We should do we should do an episode together. Holla! I mean, after all, we are giving you number nineteen. Like, shoot, you could even have number twenty of the top twenty artistic contributors of all times, Joe. So, I mean, that's something. You know, give a little, take a little. Holla! So, okay, number twenty. And Joe, your name comes up in our house at least once a day because my son really, really, really rates you. So it's all love over here, honey. Who's the last contributor? Can we say Tradell the Comic God? <laughs> no, I don't, no, I haven't done anything yet. You, but you influenced me. Uh-huh. You influenced, no, like this is top 20 artistic contributors of all times. Yeah, before, and I will be before a certain amount of time. Except, but, except, can you just hear me before mm, you say your suggestion? Sure. Okay. Before you, I was a closet, I was a closet poet. I was a closet children's book writer. Mm. I was a closet author, like resource author, romance, all these things. I was a closet talk show host. Like I was just in the closet, like in terms of art. (laughs) I was in the art closet. Okay. (laughs) And I was so artistic my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I was so terrified that I couldn't make it as an artist and that I, to the point where like it would just be crumpled up and thrown out almost. Right? And I felt so scared. And because of you and your inspiration in my life, 
I will share my poetry and I was able to show some share something as powerful as my love for black men and, and wanting them to do well in this world. I was able to write two children's books and you uh, and with you and, and have them illustrated by you. We have a book coming out this Christmas for our for my grandma, your great grandmother, that she R.I.P. I love you grandma. She's gonna be so tickled pink to see. We have this podcast now. You are inspiring me every day of my life to be my best self and to be artistic and to believe in myself. I don't know who could ever be more influential in my life in terms of artistic inspiration than you, Trudeau. I need to do that for a few more millions to get on this book or on this list. I need to do it for a few more millions to get on this list, but I hear you on thanks. Okay. Well, I nominate you for number 20, as I love you and no one's been more influential. Who do you nominate? Um, I don't know. Oh, pff. well, at that point, <laughs> geez, your argument's weak, and I think it's going to go to you. I mean, I'm going to give you like a countdown. Da-na-na. Maybe, I don't know the timeline here, but maybe Leonardo da Vinci for setting up the Renaissance man um, trope where he was like painting and sculpting and inventing stuff and doing all that. And then I think a bunch of others followed. I don't know the timeline. What do you mean Renaissance man? Educate me. Okay, so Renaissance, like a, a guy who was able to do everything and that's... That, that started oh, like because us? of... Are we renaissance people? <laughs> I think we have to get, like, everything professionally, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I might we be do. harsh on myself, but <laughs> I hope... You are. But the standards got to be up here for okay. all they do in the renaissance stuff. So, like, if you Michelangelo and Raphael and do all the Ninja are Turtle names... Are you naming the Ninja Turtles? <laughs> all the Ninja Turtle names... <laughs> Did he invent the Ninja Turtles? Well, they were all named after Renaissance. Um, So what is the Renaissance? Is that a time in history? Like a period of time? Yeah. So this Leonardo da Vinci was the man during the Renaissance time is what you're trying to say? Yeah. So how did he influence culture? Like how do I, how will I see that today? Um, Do you know, like the guy who did the Mona Lisa? Well, the Mona Lisa, his mother? Oh, no, that's Whistler's no. mother. Yeah. <laughs> Whistler's mother is so ugly. <laughs> Sorry, Whistler. It's all good. It's your mama. <laughs> that's funny. Which I think the Mona Lisa is honestly one of his, like, most mid-paintings. I don't know why it's so revered when he has paintings that are so much cooler and have so much more interesting things in them. Yeah. But people just got obsessed with this mild-looking lady. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That has to do with the time period, too, I guess, and what you consider maybe beauty at that time, or I don't know. Did you hear a guy try to cake it? Cake it? Like, pie it? Yeah. Wow. Dressed up as an old lady and tried to pie it, but there's glass in front of it. That's horrible. Why would someone try to deface something iconic? Like, I don't know. To me, that's maximum haterism to the end degree like chill bro yeah i don't know um maybe he was trying to do it for like clout or something like yeah this clout chasing like to me like 
There's glass on it, so you're not going to get to the original painting, obviously. And it's so small. It's not that big. It's so small. I don't know why it's so important. I don't get it at all. And as an artist... You do know this is your I went, nominee. I went to the Louvre. And it's in the Louvre, right? I, I went to wherever it's held. I think that's the Louvre. Yeah, um, I think that's the Louvre. And it was crowded by people. I I seen it. Like, it was pretty far away, but I seen it. And went, I've never been impressed by it. I'm still not impressed by it. And didn't even try to go to the front. Oh. I just kept on looking at oh. stuff. <laughs> and this is the nominee that you think should trump you? Uh, well, no, he's done better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a Renaissance man. He made designs for like planes, and so he made the, the first. Six... He okay. made the first uh, ato- uh, uh, like robot. I thought you were gonna say atomic bomb. Am I like no? He's no. The that, that that's uh, so. Einstein hold on. What about that. the 16th chapel? Uh, that's Michelangelo. Oh. I don't. L- I, I I don't love his art only because all his women look like men. Yeah, because he's gay. Yeah. Well, most of them were, I'm pretty sure. Why? Because... Why were they gay? Because Italians are gay. <laughs> no, 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 no. We didn't say that. No, you didn't... were. You were. Don't worry. <laughs> Not now, before. <laughs> no, like, just maybe the high-profile artistic ones, right? It's just because y- y- y'all are so high-profile. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Can we give it to Seinfeld? Right. <laughs> Who invented the not that there's anything wrong with that? Did Seinfeld script his own stuff? Oh my god. I don't know if I want to give it to Michelangelo. Da Vinci. Okay, I don't know if I give it to Da Vinci. What did he do that I use? I mean, I just want to give it to that black guy that invented peanut butter. Oh, Peanut butter is yummy. It's artistic. Who made the planes? Oh, but it's not art, the I guess. Wright, the Wright Brothers? The Wright Brothers, but that's not art, technically. No, I mean, then can't we go to Einstein? Einstein, yeah. And then it's like, well, is science an art? That's a whole question. But I do like light. And didn't he create light? That's Edison. Oh, I, and feel, I really do like that's light. That's Edison with quotations because he hired someone to create the light bulb. Yeah, that's like Ford. Ford hired engineers, and he said, Henry Ford said, I do not need to know how to do it. I just need to employ the people that know how to do it. And I actually respect that because that's reality. Like, you, I think being able to admit, like, to play to your strengths is reality. Like, that's what turns art into business, art into commerce, right? Yeah, but Edison did that. And he was a huge dick. What about FUBU? What he about Damon Dash? He elephants, not Damon Dash. Uh, Thomas Edison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that FUBU guy used to electrocute elephants. <laughs> he electrocuted <laughs> elephants because he was up for a... They were either going to use um, direct currents or AC currents, alternating currents. Yeah. And he was all for direct currents, which loses power as it goes. And AC currents do not. And he's like, look how dangerous these currents are. It electrocuted a whole elephant. What could it do to you? And he screwed over my boy Tesla. So. I thought Tesla was modern. No, Tesla, it's named after him. Nikola Tesla, who made all these interesting things. He's uh, fascinating. fascinating. (laughs) I'm still voting you. The fact that you know all of this and are telling everybody means that you're influencing 
art and culture right now. <laughs> Maybe. I'll do it a lot more later. Just give me some time. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, Thomas Edison, huge dickhead. Huge dickhead? Yeah. Wow, that's an image. <laughs> so why? <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay. So he because he's a jerk because he... Basically, he electrocuted Dumbo. That's wrong. Yes. Who who would do that? Who would? That's that is Edison disgusting. Did Edison did it. Mm-hmm. So why have so many things named after him? Like, here comes the Edison twins. The, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, <laughs> the commercial for the Edison twins. <laughs> All right, I don't know what that is, but I, I don't know if it's any relation. <laughs> I don't know either. Pardon my Tourette's. Okay. Um, Not that there's any. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> we might have to stop. <laughs> we have one more to do. Okay. Would you like to... I'm going to cry. <laughs> Would you like to do a jingle? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> we should have stopped at 10 and did a jingle. No, it's even better because number 20 really, really matters. <laughs> Alrighty. Here are the rules. One topic will be taken from the fortune cookie. Both mom and son will attempt to sell you the topic with a freestyle jingle. Yeah, baby. Then you, the listener, will decide who wins by voting for the one you like. Best in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Just comment mom to vote for Jessica or son to vote for me, Tridell. We are total goofballs today. (laughs) The votes will be tallied and we will, one of us will get a prize eventually. But um, boom. Alrighty. And what do we got here? Opening the fortune cookie. Aw, this is easy peasy, or it should be. Cell phone. Cell phone. Mmm, I like it. I mean, I practically live on mine. Okay, you go first. You go first. Why me? Because. No, you just want to get your ducks in a row. Okay, fine. You went first last time. Alright, give me a beat. Again? I want. I like a beat, man. <laughs> this is acapella stuff. No, star. On the block, you go. Man, don't give you a beat. Uh-uh. You feel the flow. Mm. You, you do your little, you know? Um. A. One, two. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's the number you dial for heaven. If you're really lucky, you might even get 11. Grab a bag of chips and then go with Kevin to the store down the street where you may even buck Sally and meet her friend named Lucy. It's an adventure you see. You love Lucy and she likes you too, but you don't know how you'll see her again. Then you're like, hold up, my friend. I gotta see. E-L-L, and you can call me anytime. You got four digits, I got five. Together we're in heaven, 
And we're alive. We are going to call each other on the phone. And don't worry if I'm not home. Cause this phone, baby, it roams. And if you holler at me, I'll take it to Rome. Yeah, get a cell, motherfucker, or you will be dateless. <laughs> That's a wicked, wicked... I'd buy a phone if I heard that song. All right, do you need a beat? <laughs> that was a good beat. I just forgot I was doing a jingle. I was just on it. Okay. I made a whole cell song. I think people should, like, buy that song. Holla. Okay, go. Ring-a-ding-ding. Um, uh, -ding. <laughs> Did you hear that thing? It's your cell phone. Oh, no, it's not. You don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy a phone. Biatch. <laughs> I said peasant. I said biatch. I said ring-a-ding-ding. Did you hear that thing? No, you don't. Because you don't have a phone. Go buy a phone, you peasant. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to vote for you. I will give that. That's I remembered it. That's how catchy that shit was. That was funny. That was kind of ring a ding ding. Did you hear that thing? No, you don't. Because <laughs> you don't have no phone. Go buy a phone, you peasant. Yeah, that was dope. You did good. Thank you. And I feel like you made my case for you being number 20. <laughs> That's I'll it. take it. Hey, my hey. my name's aspirational, so this could be an aspirational list for there me. There you go. Tradell the comic god. Amazing. And after that jingle, possibly the comedic god, too. Yeah. Holla. I love it. I think that's our show. Yeah. That was dope. I agree. I had fun. Me too. Did y'all have fun? I hope so. Like, let us know in the comments. Well, you're still listening. You better have had fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all for today. Of That is all for today's episode of Three Shots of Mango Beer. <laughs> Nobody's drinking <laughs> shots or mango beers. I cannot explain our jokes. But I have had two Trenta iced coffees, so... <laughs> And I had tea. This is me on tea, guys. <laughs> I do. I might have a caffeine high. Anyways, that was today's episode of Three Shots of the Mango Beer. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. We really enjoyed talking. Join us next week for next another week. episode of Three Shots of the Mango Beer. And... Monday, baby. Make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast. Also... Follow us on Instagram at Platinum Rooch. And tell all your friends them about us, please, because, you know, we're trying to get them numbers up. This is a Platinum Rooch production. Thanks for tuning in. And peace out. Toodles. Humans. Yeah.